Let's go, focus, breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 up. You've got it, Rorden. You've got it. Stand, stand up! Oh, yes. Hello and welcome. This is Under the Bar, the clean health yes. podcast with Rawdon and Tom. It's exciting to be here. It, it is. I'm sure from the outside looking in, things seem quite seamless in terms of the yep. shows going up on the yep. uh, up on the SoundCloud and yes. the iTunes and everything. Yep. But we actually haven't... First time we've been in the studio for five weeks. Yes. We've had a five-week break from the airwaves over the Christmas holidays. So, mm. you know, go easy on us in terms yes. of the, the quality of what you're about to listen to. I mean, yeah, look, uh, you know... Uh, It'll be good quality, Tom. Trust me. <laughs> On a serious note, I would actually like to thank uh, yes. those of you who do listen to the program. We cracked about 6,000 plays thus far. Yes, you know, respectable. Thanks to all you guys who do uh, download and click on it and play. Feel free to send through any questions or if you have any yeah. ideas about where you'd like the show to go. I mean, it is mm. it's for you guys anyway. That's the whole reason why we do yes, it. So yes. you may no, well. no criticism. But, you know, if you've got <laughs> yeah, nothing no. nice to say, you don't have to email us. <laughs> you know, let, you uh, let, let sleeping dogs lie. You know, let us do our thing. But, uh, and, and in fact, don't actually listen to it too much, you know. So yeah. let, let's just keep it one play per person per yeah. episode. Yeah, don't go back and listen to the ones that you've already listened no, to. No, because either. if we get too many plays, yes. then of course Big Dog starts sticking yes. his nose in a little bit too much Big about Dog, what Dame he wants. McDonald, All of a sudden, Mr. CHPC. No longer it'll be the under the bar, it'll be the Dame McDonald hour. Uh, yes. Brought to you by the founder. Founder, Dame, Dame McDonald. Yes. And actually, his world-class thighs. Yes, you'll have uh, to actually enter your direct debit details to yes. access the program. Yep. And then... Boom! Be like a vacuum. A vacuous. <laughs> they'd be gone. Bankrupt. But uh, anyway. you can contact us, podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. <laughs> Look, we love Dane. If you have any suggestions. We do. And this will be the litmus test as to whether he actually listens to the show, because surely yes. he'll pick us up on that one. Yeah. Well, well we've got away with quite a bit so far. Our <laughs> listeners uh, know. Hopefully, yeah. we'll skim over that. You just sort of fast forward to the middle, the, yeah. the nitty gritty. You'll fast forward to the interview, and our special yes. guest. This week on the episode is Milos Sarchev. Well, hey, Tom, can I pull you up there? Yes. Milos, inverted commas, the mind, mind. Sarchev. Sarchev. And, and pre-recorded, and you'll uh, attest to that. You'll say he's a, he's like a, a scientist. Oh, he's yes. White lab coat's on for that one. Absolutely. It was a, a very easy interview to conduct yep. once we actually got him on the line because we yeah. had to record him from oh. the gym floor in the CHPC. There are a few technical issues getting yep. started, but then, boom. Just let him run, and yes. he really gives some quality content about yeah. his systems, yeah. building hypertrophy, maintaining body fat yeah. during a muscle building phase, the way he breaks down a day into yeah. different sections. Yep. Absolutely fascinating stuff. He gives some tips on his workout nutrition and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, so. and you got to remember that Milos is uh, he's the pioneer of the pre-interim post-supplementation. Uh, yes. Yeah, he spoke about that, uh, you know, everyone thought he had some magical uh, pharmaceutical agent that was getting all these guys, you know, 20, 40 pounds on what appeared to be at the, the peak of their career. But it was it was really just his uh, take on the, the pre-interim post-supplementation. Uh, so, and obviously the training, the training stimulus intensity that, yeah. that goes with that. Yeah. That's where a lot of people go wrong. You know, they'll chug down a 100 grams of uh, dextrose and some BCAAs pre-workout and then another couple of hundred during and then I better have more carbs per workout that that might work mm. and then they you know do uh, three sets of ten leg yeah. extensions and a, a couple of curls and then they they, they don't know why they're not uh, they're getting fat why they get fat yeah, yeah so precisely really, the workout really does have to warrant the supplementation mm. pre and post but fascinating interview also on the show, we're going to have just a quick look at the competitor update. We're yes. seven or eight weeks out from the Arnold Classic. Rodin, you've got yourself a handful of guys you're trying to yeah. dial in. So we'll cortisol-inducing <laughs> uh, yes. full of guys. Let the cortisol flow. Cortisol. All, all kinds of stuff going on there. So we'll get a touch-up on that. And then our, our supplement of the week. Ooh. We have a little curcumin. 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 Charles Poliquin is a big fan of the curcumin, if I remember, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's a, he's a big fan of the curcumin. Big fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Cam. Yeah. 
Righto, Royden. So the pressure's on for you getting down to the uh, the business yes. end of comp preparation. You've got to work six or seven competitors that you're trying to get up on. Is that that many? Six? Uh, Thereabouts? Five for the six? Arnold's five. Five, But uh, okay. there's seven or eight sort of... Floating around the place. Yeah, probably a few more. Causing stress. Um, most of these guys, you've got dialing in really nicely down about that sort of seven or eight percent mark. Everything's yep. working quite well, but it's not all smooth going. No. Um, Alex Thompson, who is really gunning for a pro card yeah, has got his, crossed, yeah. got his absolutely got his heart set on achieving that goal has spent four or five days in hospital with pneumonia yeah yeah, yeah. not yeah. ideal nah look at uh, nine weeks out or whatever it was it was around um new year's eve uh, uh but basically he was he was training and he was getting a little bit uh, a little bit short of breath breathing sort of a little heavy i guess that were the symptoms got a bit dizzy and eventually went in and uh got referred to the to see GP and they referred him to the hospital and he had a, some scans and some tests and they, they stuck him in there and let him out so uh, I think a CAT CT scan of the, the chest revealed he had some inflammation yep. atypical pneumonia so it looked like pneumonia on the screen but um, he didn't have all the associated symptoms that would normally go with pneumonia so a brief stint in yeah, ICU so he was there in intensive care for you know they, they put him in there as a precaution for uh, for a period but then he was in his um in his hospital bed and i went and saw him and then and then the next day yeah they they threw a they didn't know whether he was contagious they threw a like a some sort of a, a mask on him and, and <laughs> do not enter and all this type of stuff but ended up being um clearing up and um and i think he's finishing off a, a second course of antibiotics now but he, he's on the mend and he's training again and and all that type of stuff but so not ideal no not ideal and the upshot of that is that you've done his bio sig yeah. today and yeah. there's been an increase in body fat. So, yeah, yeah. What, what's your plan moving forward, mate? Well, um, it was really interesting. We, we assessed him when he came out of hospital and probably should have, and he's not working at the capacity he was before he went into hospital. So it's not like he went back in. You know, I want to let the listener know I didn't say, eh, can't have any break, Alex. It's straight back into yeah. it. You know, he, he did feel better when he left hospital and he, and he sort of went through the motions and, and he slowly got his sea legs back. And we've started him on a new phase uh, a good few weeks after the actual incident. But um, he's still not 100%, but he, he, he is training. And I guess it's a more of a maintenance. We don't want him to lose muscle now. Yeah. Like, uh, great. It would have been good if he could have four to six weeks off and chill and get over everything and then get back in. But, you know, for him, it was risk to reward. We sort of weighed up what we wanted to, what was the, the priority and his chest was clearing up. So just going through the motions just keeping his body active and and uh and we're playing it by ear i guess but assessed him uh, the week when he came out dropped a little bit but it was probably what i thought was the, his training intensity leading up to going in mm. then the body not doing anything uh, and some sort of super compensation yep. so that principle is overtrain the body then give it rest and it you know it'll lean out and put muscle on so that's what happened there then the following week, body fat went up a bit, and that was essentially the time he had off from the gyms. Then yep. the body went, okay, he went training, bit of body fat. I'm only talking like you know, 0.8%. Yeah. It wasn't massive. And then the following week dropped, so it, it, the body sort of started dropping again, then bang, back up. Now, so he did go back and have another scan, and there is still some slight information. So. I hypothesize that it's, uh, you know, his body's still fighting, uh, having a immune response to this yeah. infection and, and, and it's just in a stressed state. And whenever the body's in a stressed state, we talk about it all the time, you know, even uh, Milos and these guys, anytime the, the, the cortisol uh, is elevated chronically, dealing with a, an infection on the chest, you know, your body probably not a priority for it to lose body fat, you know, muscle yeah. on. So not ideal for, um, for Alex, but, uh, you know, he, no one's perhaps ever perfect, and yeah. every, look, everyone else has their little uh, hiccups along the way. Mm. But, but he's still uh, seven and a half weeks out for me. Uh, back to the drawing board, and um, I will look at uh, him finishing the antibiotics that he's taking, and then restarting the process again. Yeah. He's not really doing anything to fat loss wise at the moment. It's more of a just bringing calories down. I haven't actually done anything deliberate. He's still on a maintenance calories. So yep. It's not like he's in a deficit yet because I don't want to put too much stress on his body. Yep. But just brought him down from where he was. He was in a, a 40% surplus um, at about 8%. Uh, but now we're starting to bring him back down to where his baseline is because his training intensity and volumes dropped. So yep. he doesn't need excessive calories. Uh, and now we'll let his body stabilize the antibiotics, finish the antibiotics. He finishes it this week. Uh, another scan, make sure it's all clear, and then we can, um, you know, uh, according to how he's feeling, uh, start progressing from there. But uh, I'm confident we'll still get him over the line. Yep. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Huh? We'll do an update in another couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, that's Sounds Alex's. Good. Uh, 
A couple of weeks back, we were talking about uh, Mr. Rex, competitor yep. Rex, who had a nasty case of Blasto. Yes. And he's sent off his uh, stool comprehensive analysis. stool analysis. The guys in the lab did a very good job. They very went thorough job. Threw it with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> really dot the eyes, cross the teeth. Cross the teeth. No on that stone one. left unturned with that one, mate. <laughs> really got in there. So. What has been the result of that? So he's also took those results back to the doctor. Yeah. Um, so now the lab, obviously, once they go through it, they then give their recommendations yes. on how to deal with this parasite. Yes. And there was a bit of a conflicting sort of point of view between what they were recommending and the doctor that he went to see. Yeah, so he went and saw a doctor and showed him the, the report from the, the lab. And, yes. And the doctor had treated uh, that particular parasitic... Um, uh, infection before mm-hmm. with the, the blasto, the, the uh, intestinal parasite, with a particular one of the ones that was listed by the lab. But the, the what the lab listed was a combination of uh, three or four different um, antibiotics. Antibiotics, but but uh, I think some of them, one of them was herbal, one or two were herbal. But uh, but yeah, there were some pharmaceuticals, and um, and it was a duration you know, recommended. Uh, but the doctor sort of said, look, you know, I've, I've dealt with this before. Uh, let's just take this specific antibiotic. It, it should target the, the blaster nicely. He has since gone last week back to the doctor, finished the antibiotics, run another stool analysis. So we're going to actually just test specifically for that parasite, which yep. they can do in Australia once they know uh, yep. they didn't have to send it off to the US because they know what parasite they're working with so they can specifically test for it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Hopefully by uh, this time next week, we'll find out whether it's uh, done and dusted. Because for him, uh, he is about to, he's uh, about six, uh, 14, 15 weeks out from um, an INBA show. Yes. So around in May, the City Nationals INBA. So that's what he's prepping for. So for him, he's about to add a bit more stress to his body, and the calories are going to come down, and we're going to start uh, trying to uh, get his body fat levels down and get him on the road to uh, men's physique at the uh, the Iron Bay City National. So yes. if you think about it, like, um, you know, if, if we are bringing calories down, then we want optimal digestion because if there's there's uh, less calories going in, then, then you can spare less calories. You know? That's right. So he has to be absorbing and assimilating Ex- all the nutrients, all the precious nutrients that he gets exactly. into his body. On okay. the flip side to that, you've just been putting him through a phase where, obviously, 16 weeks out from a comp, you want to ideally be trying to put on some muscle mass. Yep, yep. So there's plenty of stuff to peel the fat away yep. from. You've got calories to work with, all that kind exactly. of business. However with the kind of gastric distress that he's been under you have to sort of wonder whether the force feeding of calories is just a futile process or, yeah, make, or making matters worse it's, it's a tough one yeah it is and um making matters worse that's a good point and for him his digestion he's still symptomatic so he still thinks there is an issue but he was better than what he was so whether it's the the combination of taking out offending foods uh taking out the gluten the dairy like doesn't seem to respond well to those sorts of things and uh, cleaning up his nutrition probably had a significant improvement on his digestion to the point where he could still uh, achieve some hypertrophy. So we did still uh, bring calories up, but nowhere near to the point uh, of what I have done with other competitors. And the macronutrient ratio was vastly different. So it was primarily in proteins and fats Mm -hmm. and carbohydrates generally uh, with with gut infection and... um, you know, uh, uh, dysbiosis or, or unbalance, you know, these associated uh, concerns with, with parasitic activity, um, carbohydrates and, and sugars. And, they and love simple. to feed on the sugars. Yeah, they, got, they love well, it, Those mate. parasites have got a sweet tooth. they got a sweet tooth, yes, mate, very yes, much yes. so. So um, keeping carbohydrates down but increasing uh, proteins and, um, and and fats. So it did increase the calories. And look, so far so good. His body fat's uh, been in, che- uh, you know, in check and he has put some muscle on, but I'd hazard a guess he would have put... Um, uh, uh, more muscle on if, yeah. uh, uh, okay. if he had optimal digestion. All right. Is he still picking his undies out in between sets though? That's the uh, look. He, he from time to time he, yes. uh, he he does do an adjustment. Yes. That's for sure. Curcumin. Curcumin. <laughs> Curcumin is quickly becoming one of the most exciting uh, supplements or, yeah, or yeah. nutrients in the, the field of functional medicine. It's got a huge amount of antioxidant benefits. Yeah. And we'll We're going to run through the benefits, uh, you know, I guess superfood it would fall under or supplement. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say superfood slash supplement. It depends on how you're sourcing your curcumin. Yes. It's like a um, an extract from turmeric. Yeah, yeah. The benefits uh, health-wise 
uh, are many and varied, but you have to sort of be a little bit careful about the absorption of curcumin, particularly in a supplemental form or even on your food. Some of the benefits of curcumin, an increased HDL cholesterol. Yeah. So the good cholesterol. Boom. Up. Boom. There you go. So in terms of producing the raw materials for uh, good good cholesterol and then androgen production and testosterone levels, all that kind of stuff, healthy brain function, boom, good for that. HDL, up. Done. CRP, so the inflammatory blood markers. Yeah, yeah, produced in the liver in response to inflammation in the body. Yep. Down. Down. Gone. Boom. Boom. Good research there too. Good. In terms of triglycerides, now these Mm -hmm. are one of the markers which uh, when we spoke to Johnny Bowden, he was quite big on in terms of indicators of heart disease and things yep. like that. What, how are those triglycerides going? Curcumin, down, boom, yep. gone. So Gonskis. we've just we've bumped up HDL, we've decreased uh, CRP, lowered triglycerides. All of a sudden, the blood panel overall is Looking starting great. to look a million bucks. Yeah, inflammation, bam, yes. down, down. Good research there too. Lowers blood pressure. How about we cut to the chat? What doesn't it? Do? What doesn't it do, Rod? Well, and that's exactly the question to ask. Yes. A couple of things to bear in mind. So yeah. all of those benefits that we've just been through there, there's a precursor yes. for what we need Comes there. Catch. But in terms of getting some intestinal, intestinal benefit, benefits yeah. out of curcumin, then seasoning your yeah. foods with turmeric yeah. uh, is a very easy way to reduce inflammation in the gut. Two to four grams, simple. Just throw, season your food throughout the day, and that's going to have some yeah. intestinal benefit. But if you want to dig a little deeper, Tom, that's where the catch comes. Yeah, so if you want all those anti-inflammatory yeah. benefits, you CRP, want all, blood pressure, all that kind of stuff, HDL. the antioxidants, all that sort of stuff, then yeah. that's when you need the bioavailable form of the curcumin. Yes, and uh, to increase bioavailability, you just need to take it. It's really simple. The first one would be to add black pepper. You've got the piperine. So... Um, you could get piperine as a straight supplement as well if you wanted, and you could take your uh, curcumin with it. But um, black pepper, simple. You know, yep. if you are going to season your food, season black pepper. You're going to ha- increase the bioavailability because if you don't take one of these things that I'm mentioning, Tom, you know, up to 16 grams a day, it's, it's going to have very little benefit. Yeah. Uh, intestinal benefit, sure, but for those other underlying benefits, the, the wonder drug that curcumin is, yep. um, you really do, do need to take. Uh, it with either the, the piperine type supplements or black pepper easy um, or like I mentioned the the thorn curcumin is the Meriva curcumin but anything any of that long veda Meriva type curcumin but it's basically with you'll see it with a phosphatidylcholine yes. added to it so it increase the bioavailability so you're looking for your curcumin supplement flip it around have a look in the back see if it does yeah. have the uh, the phosphatidylcholine yeah or the piperine to help the absorption of that to get all those other benefits what would the dosages be for well, the Mareva? Uh, f- uh, 80 to about uh, 500 milligrams a day uh, spread throughout the day uh, we'll have those benefits that we listed earlier the reducing inflammation antioxidant uh, HDL um, all those type of things yep and you know like we mentioned earlier couple of grams two to four grams a day uh, of just straight turmeric if you want to uh, have some intestinal uh, improvements so if yep. you do suspect inflammation you can use the turmeric to, to settle the, the intestinal lying down so there's benefit there as well tom yep so in supplemental form 80 to 500 milligrams per day yeah boom Well, here we are, Rawdon. It's Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast, coming to you from the gym floor today at 5.30 in the morning on a Friday, and we've yep. got a very special guest on the line. It's uh, 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night over in Serbia. Hint, yeah. hint, nudge, nudge. Yes, uh, international. You, you've been working with very closely for the last few months, and I know talking to you about what you've been doing with your training, I've learned a lot about what you're doing, and no yeah. doubt working with Milos Sarchev, yep. you've learned a lot. I know that you've learned incredible amounts apart from the results you're getting with your own training, just what you've been able to pass on to your competitors who you're prepping. It's um, yeah. a bit of a quantum shift for you. Yeah. It's funny, Matt. I got an article uh, last night, one of these, um, I think it was off strength and conditioning research.com. And it was like, oh, a, yeah. they got every study on hypertrophy and drew all the results together to create this critical analysis on hypertrophy, everything you could possibly. And I started mm. sort of sifting through it, this mammoth document. And I thought, well, Waking up tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk to Milos Sarchev, so why do I bother reading it? I'll just talk to the source. Just just do a skim read on that article, and then we'll go straight to the source. I mean, that's essentially, Tom, what uh, my thought process was. It was like, okay, I worked, you know, as you know, with Shelby Starnes prior to to Milos, and I've worked with a few other people. 
and I thought who would be the, the best of the best. And uh, rather than learning from someone that probably learned from Milos, I thought I'd go straight to straight Milos. To so, source, yeah. uh, and of course, we've had him out at the CHPC before in the, the blood, sweat and tears of the uh, last uh, Milos muscle camp. And, uh, you know, I think the, the participants have just recovered and there's another one coming out two years later or, or close to that. So we're obviously going to welcome him with open arms against the CHPC. He's doing a bit of a tour in uh, in March. So, yeah, why, why not go straight to the big man himself? And that's what I did. And like you said, I've, I've learned a ton, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to le- learn a lot more from Milos. So that's who we're uh, picking the brain of today, Tom. Welcome to the show, Milos, and thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you, Tom, for inviting me. And Radin, uh, I want to say good morning to all the listeners. Of course, here in Serbia is night. But, uh, as I just heard, it's 5.30 in the morning Australian time. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I actually, a funny story, I came in this morning and uh, I saw your email and it was uh, 2 a.m. and you, you know, you said, you know, if you want to start earlier, just let me know, I'm, I'm, I'm home this evening and uh, yeah, just give me a yell, it's like 2 a.m. dude, I, I mean, I love the podcast, I love Under the Bar, I love Clean Health and you know, I love Milos, but uh, I don't love you that much, mate, that's my, uh, that's my growing time. I messed up uh, the time difference, you know, because... Uh, <laughs> I have people from California, they are nine hours behind me, and I guess you guys are nine, nine hours ahead of me. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I messed up a little bit. Okay. Just to get a status, mate, for any of our listeners who maybe aren't as well researched on your career and your background as perhaps Rodin and I am, can you just give us a bit of an overview of how you got started? Obviously, your career as a, as a competitor and IFBB Pro was prolific. 72 pro shows, it's quite remarkable. And then now you've really carved your niche as prepping some of the best pro bodybuilders around. So could you just give us a little insight into how you're, into the evolution of your career? Okay, well, first I came from uh, former Yugoslavia. Now Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore, but back in uh, 1987, I was a Yugoslavian champion and decided to be first Yugoslavian to compete at the Mr. Olympia contest. And I knew that, of course, I had to be in California to accomplish something of that. So I, I made a, a short-term goal. I gave myself five years uh, that I can uh, come to U.S., uh, win this universe, qualify to be pro, qualify for Mr. Olympia, to Mr. Olympia, and make a living off of uh, bodybuilding. That was my five-year goal, and I accomplished everything in four. Uh, as soon as I started competing, actually, I did something that nobody else did. I was entering every show that was organized. Uh, whatever IBB organized, I entered it. Every pro show during a year. And most of the guys uh, thought it was impossible. As you know, most of the champions were competing maybe once a year for Olympia. Some guys would maybe do two shows a year. But I did uh, every single one of them, uh, proving that it is possible to be constantly in shape and keep improving as you are competing. So uh, I qualified for Mr. Olympia uh, 10 consecutive years, and that's back in 1990, golden era of bodybuilding when we had uh, such incredible competitors like Dorian and Ronnie, Sean, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Dillette, uh, uh, Master of Somebody, you name it, Kevin Lebroni, Flex Wheeler. I mean, it was so tough to, uh, back in the day to even qualify for Olympia, but I managed 10 years in a row. For people that uh, know my career, I started with uh, being a somewhat smaller guy, but uh, by the 1999, uh, my last Olympia, I was pretty much catching up with the, with the muscle mass of all the mass monsters at the time. And I actually, um, in my last shows in 1990, British Grand Prix and World Championship in uh, Italy, I was beating guys like Nasser Sabari and Marcus Rule, and uh, I wasn't really giving them much in the size department. So uh, I did this, and uh, while I was competing, I was also consulting many guys. Mm. Uh, first, I was actually exactly Nasser Al-Sambadi in 1995, when he made a huge, huge improvements and shook the world with the incredible muscle mass that he gained in a short period of time. And after uh, what I did with Nasser, a lot of people heard about it and, and uh, contacted me. And uh, if you look at the list of the competitors that I prepared, there was about 50 Olympia competitors that uh, I consulted in the last 10 years or so. So uh, I, I became uh, quite known with the bodybuilding community uh, for contest prep and uh, for my different theories. I had a pretty much different theory in everything. Uh, in exercise physiology as a science, 
uh, in training, uh, hypertrophy that we're going to talk about today, about supplementation and even content circulation. Uh, you know, so I, I like to use one of the quotations that uh, Bruce Lee, uh, the famous mixed martial artist, actually pioneer of mixed martial arts, uh, to observe everything and everyone. What is useful, discard what is useless, and create my own principle. So uh, this is how you're going to see that I have a little bit different theories in training, nutrition, and supplementation, and yes. content preparation. Absolutely. Milos, you mentioned that you, uh, obviously, you did every pro show that you possibly could. People thought that was crazy. You kept getting better and better. So obviously, there's a method to the madness. What was your theory? Yeah, my theory is uh, actually something that I'm doing with, with all my clients even right now. And you have uh, Rodan right there next to you and he's going to tell you if I lie because uh, I don't uh, speak one thing and do the other one. I, I always speak the truth. Mm -hmm. I don't like to have an off-season. Just the word off turns me off. <laughs> I mean, uh, so many bodybuilders that use it off-season as excuse to eat big, get uh, big, but uh, it's to eat fatty foods and get fat. This yes. is the truth. Uh, exactly my career proves that you can gain a considerable amount of size with a, a specific method of each and every day you can improve in, in every department. You can put uh, quality size and even lose body fat in the uh, process. You don't need to uh, uh, off-season put as much weight and then pre-contest uh, try to lose it. And I know for many years, especially back in 80s and 90s, there was many people who uh, get 20 kilos heavier in off-season and then they compete exactly the same weight as previous year. And this is because, of course, uh, they have to uh, diet uh, strictly and, and, and uh, become metabolic. And pretty much they lose all the lean tissue that they gain in that off-season. And you can imagine what kind of uh, cardiovascular and health stress it is to fluctuate 20 kilos up and down you know, constantly. So <laughs> instead, I created the methods that uh, I do with all my clients. I uh, pretty much calculate uh, true caloric requirements for the person, and I do this with the calculation of first uh, their physiological needs, BMR, and after this, uh, I add all the uh, exercise-induced calories that they burn, and uh, through thermic effect of exercise and thermic effect of feeding. Once I, I know uh, the timing when all my clients are, are getting up, going to train, uh, going to bed, I structure the diet and I have a three phases throughout the day. I have a fat burning phase if it's needed, the athlete needs to burn body fat in process. If it's lean, obviously we don't need to, but then we have a maintenance phase and anabolic phase. Maintenance phase would be a meal structured from one to another, like every three hours, you give them exactly what they need for that period of time. Nutrients needed to maintain. If you are in caloric deficit, obviously, you're going to be sacrificing and compromising your uh, maximal hypertrophy because something is missing and body is going to have to break down something, either muscle tissue or burn the glycogen if you have it stored. Anyway, you're going to compromise. You're going to be in minus. So I want to make sure that they're uh, having sufficient amount, but just enough, not uh, over the uh, caloric requirement because they're going to be storing possibly body fat, which I never want to happen. But then we have that anabolic phase, which is, uh, for me, workout. Time when you train, instead of becoming catabolic, if you follow principles of exercise physiology, what they teach us, that to cause hypertrophy, you have to break down the tissue, uh, lose uh, ATP, uh, glycogen, amino acids out of the muscle, and then uh, uh, catabolize the body through intense training, and then replenish it afterwards. I, I never uh, agreed with this. But this uh, for me, that never made sense. And I created uh, my hyperemia advantage training and nutritional system that I've been using since 90s. And all my clients are basically using uh, quite successfully since uh, 1995, when I started with National Somebody first, and then all, all the rest, uh, you, know, you name it, Dennis James, Dennis Wolf, uh, Gustavo Badel, Tadia Magishi, all the guys, I mean, uh, there's a long list of the, of the pros I work with. 
and I get uh, such a incredible results in a short period of time that you know how people in the community like to talk about it all over the world. They were thinking that uh, I have some pharmacological enhancement that I'm keeping a secret. When in, in the truth, there was really nutritional manipulation and having this uh, workout as a potential anabolic opportunity instead of uh, catabolic, which was happening with everybody that trained conventional way. So if you want me to elaborate on this, this is what I would like all the listeners of the Clean Health Podcast to understand. Exercise physiology teaches us not to eat anything about hour and a half before the training, you know, so we don't have a gastrointestinal problems and we, we don't have a blood going into the stomach trying to digest the food that we were eating. So pretty much with the empty stomach, you know, going into the gym, thrashing our muscle fibers, doing all these in, intense muscle contractions, stimulating muscle, right? But while stimulating, we would be depleting all the nutrients out of the muscle. By the end of the workout, we would definitely it would be smaller and catabolic. And then uh, uh, our body sense that uh, uh, loss and we, you know, replenish and possibly supercompensate, providing that we have a valuable nutrient in timely manner right after the, the training, and uh, body would uh, you know, be basically increase protein synthesis, slow protein degradation, and create anabolism hours after the training. But the fact is that every time we train, we, we would drive our body in a critically catabolic state. And uh, catabolism is something unhealthy and unwanted. And in the medical community, any catabolic patient is treated with immediate emergent care. So uh, for me, because I'm coming from a medical uh, family, my father, who was a doctor of science of neuropsychiatry, immediately teach me that uh, uh, we don't need to drive our body in catabolism and break down just to be rebuilding. We can actually, with a sound method of uh, using hyperemia, which is increased blood flow to the muscle, that happens only during a training, we can deliver all the necessary anabolic, anti-catabolic, fat-burning nutrients, you name it. Anything that we, we find beneficial, we can deliver it and drive it in exact muscle fibers during the training, not after. So initially, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to listen to my father because he was not a bodybuilder, so I didn't want to uh, follow his methods. Mm. You know, so I was doing conventional, and I didn't really have uh, any great results until I really uh, gave it a go, and I tried what my father was suggesting. And back in the day, actually, I competed at the first Mr. Universe not using any pharmacological enhancements, believe it or not. Uh, I didn't even know about it back in the day in 1987 because I, I really believed that nobody else was uh, doing it either. So when I went to the United States and competed in the first Mr. Universe, all the competitors were asking me what I was taking, and I was basically taking them amino acids, specific glucose, you know, vitamins and all that stuff that really affected me believing that I am not telling them the truth. But in all honesty, I was only manipulating specific supplementation and way of training back in 1987. Uh, when I went to the States, obviously the, those things changed because now I was in California, in the Bulls Gym, Powerhouse Gym, Wall Gym, all these great gym facilities. and. Uh, among all the greats, I mean, I was training there with uh, Mike Menzer, uh, uh, Lou Ferrino, you name it, uh, all these greats, and then with all my generation of uh, competitors, Chris Cormier, Flex Wheeler, uh, Jay Cutler, and so on, Ronnie Coleman, and uh, of course, throughout the years, I've seen what they do, and uh, in direct discussion with them, what I was doing, they actually accepted my theory of this hyperemia advantage system using increased blood flow to the muscle to your advantage. Yeah. Prepare the blood, you know, put all the pre-digested nutrients you can leave in the system about 30 minutes before training, and then throughout the training, have an intra-workout, a during-workout uh, supplementation drink that you're going to be drinking in between sets. Keep delivering those nutrients because those nutrients are going to be uh, able to be uptaken by the muscle cells of exact muscle fiber of the muscle that you're training. Yep. And uh, I did this, I tested it, 
and I apply it to all my uh, clients and it worked. Now, of course, somebody's going to uh, tell me that I did a double-blind university study. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, so do I have a proof? No, I don't. But uh, <laughs> plus Olympia... Well, it can't work. Yeah, it, it, is, it is one of those things. Uh, do you have to prove that water is wet? You know, uh, not necessarily. Uh, this is uh, whoever would want to challenge me. I'm very open to it. And as uh, you guys said, I'm coming to Miloš uh, uh, Ačer Muscle Camp Tour in uh, 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 Sydney, Queensland, Melbourne, Perth uh, in March. I will be there uh, every weekend uh, somewhere else, starting with uh, Clean Health in March. And I encourage anybody that actually doesn't believe me and wants to challenge me to come there directly because I'm going to prove them right there and there that everything that I'm uh, stating, I, I have a proof and I would just like them to, to see it for themselves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've got to say, Milos, when I, like I have been working for you, with you for the last few months and um, I've got to say, when I am training and I, and I do take the pre-intra supplementation, I, I certainly get a, a monstrous pump and you can almost feel the muscles sort of growing while you're, uh, while you're training. It's quite an unusual feeling. So certainly from my experience, having not used such a specific supplementation for hypertrophy and, and anti-catabolism, it's really quite a different way to train. But my question to you, Milos, is that way of training, like you're renowned for your huge volume and, and I guess you made the disgusting way of training uh, known as giant sets. You, I guess you're the, the man that is most famous for um, bringing that to the mainstream. With your hyperemia advantage and the, the increased blood flow, does does the type of training have to be a certain way? I.e., you know, if you're strength training, then then using the the pre-intra supplementation is not going to be as as beneficial. Obviously, strength training we're not going specifically for hypertrophy, but does the type of training well, have to have have a huge amount of volume? No. Well, uh, I'm glad you said that, and, and I'm going to try to specifically answer two parts of the questions because there are two parts. First, why did I bring giant sets to my training theory, right? If we are after maximal stimulation of maximum amount of muscle fibers, then you cannot be uh, specific and do only heavy duty or only volume, only this or that method. I like to put every single uh, uh, possible muscle stimulation, super heavy, super slow, partial, different stance, different grip, different tempo, different, different, as much variety as I would like to bring uh, upon the same targeting muscle group and really try to push it to the limit. So I don't do just the giant sets. I usually uh, start with heavy duty, choose only maybe two different exercises for, for muscle group in the a, in a beginning. I do a first conventional way when you warm up, increase the weight. Uh, do a slow eccentric, slow concentric, focusing on a muscle contraction rather than lifting in a first set, you know, so you prepare the, the, the muscle. On a second set, you can do slow, uh, slow eccentric and uh, explosive concentric. And uh, on a third, I will go all out as many as I can with a 6 to 10 reps uh, limit with the force uh, uh, reps and possibly negatives. Yep. Uh, this way, I have already uh, accomplished to reach uh, fast switch muscle fibers specifically uh, in this uh, uh, gradual pyramiding method. As I would be warmed up, my second exercise now would be very typical heavy duty Mike Menzer during the eight style. Uh, there is no reason to warm up anymore, so you can go immediately into that one set, uh, second exercise for same muscle group of that uh, uh, heavy duty. Uh, max uh, weight, uh, super heavy, all out, a second set. Uh, with this method, I would already reach that uh, fast switch muscle fiber stimulation that heavy duty proponents uh, are, are preaching. But right after this, I would like to apply now a combination of super sets, three sets, giant sets of every possible different exercise with a muscle, differential muscle activation. Uh, there's a regional difference in muscle activation. If you just change a little bit angle, uh, take a little bit wider grip, change the angle of, of, on the bench and whatever. So you can reach the same muscle fibers. If you, let's say we're talking about the chest, uh, you can reach upper, middle, lower clavicle, clavicular or sternal portion, 
inner or outer portion just by manipulating the grip and the angle. Uh, and then you change the tempo. You do that super slow method. You do a combination of alternating explosive and uh, super slow, explosive, super slow. I mean, uh, this is up to the coaches and the trainers to bring their individuality and uh, their basically creative uh, inventions in the training. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, I look on the uh, internet and I see a lot of people are using uh, similar methods and a lot of, of my uh, old athletes are now coaches as well and, and I'm glad actually they're preaching what I, I teach them long ago. But uh, again, to completely answer your question, why I do this? Because if you honestly, truly ask yourself, are you stimulating your muscles same if you do conventional method uh, of training or giant sets? And if your answer is conventional way, I would say do exactly the same conventional mates, uh, way set that you just told me that you believe it works better. But instead of stopping right after this, take second exercise for same muscle group and you know, change parameter of loading maybe or, or, or tempo or grip, whatever, and then third and the fourth and see how far you can go. And uh, uh, I said this story before, I don't want to um, repeat it if uh, people uh, didn't hear that story, but the reason why I really decided to, to exclusively train like this is back in 2006 I was approached with a, a Japanese uh, sponsor who basically offered me substantial amount of money if uh, Tadei Magishi would make it to the Olympia in one year and uh, because we had a less than a year I uh, had to have a most effective way of training so I had to really go deep down in my theories and, and decide what would be the best way of training and this is when I honestly structured this uh, giant sets combination in heavy duty methods and I trained Hidetada exclusively that way and you guys remember what happened in, in uh, less than a year he qualified for Mr. Olympia and became a superstar. Mm. So um, I proved the theory works time and, and time again. The problem with this and a lot of guys they're complaining about my methods are just because they can't handle the heat. I mean yeah. it, it is so hard to do That's and right. a lot of people just are not motivated to train like this all the time. Well that's what I was going to ask Milos, how do you periodize if you're covering everything in the workout every time you train, is there a, a periodization method or it's just more of the same until you... No, as as you can uh, I mean, I would like to... Yeah, I would like to sound uh, scientific now and give you some specific uh, periodization <laughs> protocols, but uh, in all honesty, no. Yeah. I, I do believe that for me there was never overtraining. If your supplementation and your recovery after the training is complete like it's supposed to be, yep. and you train the same body part once or even twice, Per week, you can recover. Yeah. And uh, most of the guys that I prepared back in the uh, 90s, I can mention you some names just to understand. It was uh, Dennis James and, and uh, Gustavo Bedell, Mustafa Mohammed, Marcus Rule. You know, many, many guys would gain up to 40 pounds in a, a matter of four to five weeks once they start training with me. And those are the guys that they were basically a top level professionals. And you know that they would uh, kind of reach the plateau and gaining 10 pounds uh, on, a, on a pro guy like this back in the day would be something. And I managed to, to make them gain up to 40. But what I did with them, uh, instead of training once a day, almost everyone was training two times a day. And myself, I can tell you that in 15 years of my pro career, I was averaging 550 workouts per year. So. Uh, I used every workout as anabolic, not catabolic opportunity. Mm -hmm. And therefore, my guys could train consistently like that. Now, when do I back off? You know, you, you can really read the science and, and usually body will tell you when you need to back off. Yeah. And uh, when you need to back off and deload, I would give them a uh, week. Uh, but uh, specifically, I would not have that period of time that I could tell you, you can train 12 weeks like this and then you have to deload. Because I did with Hidatada one year straight, we never stopped. We were we were just like machines back in the day. There was Silvio Samuel, uh, Dennis Wolf, Johnny Jackson, mm -hmm. uh, Joel Stubbs. I mean, many guys at the time that I was preparing them, they were all doing the same thing, mm -hmm. and uh, they didn't need to deload really. So Milos, you're saying that you would stay anabolic the whole year round. 
So in terms of losing body fat, stripping body fat, was it you would just create these small catabolic windows within a day where there'd be a fat loss little window? Is that how you would do it? Yes, yes. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned this now. That catabolic window is the uh, catabolic of the of the storage that we want to catabolize, which would be body fat, right? I don't want to catabolize my muscle tissue. And uh, if you're just in catabolic mode and you're losing some muscle and some fat, you're not doing yourself uh, a great service because that hard-earned muscle that you're gaining in this anabolic phase is throughout the day, you don't want to waste it. So what I do is I have that fat-burning phase, which is first thing in the morning, of course, uh, after a long uh, uh, fasting period of sleeping. If you sleep six, eight hours, I don't know or, or, or how many hours you can sleep, I don't know. Uh, at that time, your body is obviously uh, still burning calories at the rate of your BMR, whatever, 100 calories an hour, right? So as you wake up and there's not circulating nutrients in your bloodstream, and you're gonna immediately jump into some cardio machine and, and start doing cardio on empty stomach. Cardio uh, activity is using fatty acids, fat, as a substrate of utilization. So as you don't have a fat lingering around in the bloodstream, obviously your your body fat storage is gonna be immediately used up for that uh, uh, cardiovascular uh, or interval session that you're gonna do mm. on empty stomach in the morning. So mm. you're gonna initiate a fat loss 100% guarantee every morning you do that. But your job after that is to break down catabolism, right? Because now if you are not eating anything or not eating enough, your body is going to uh, continue to catabolize not just the body fat now, but possibly muscle tissue, which you don't want to happen. So you have to break down the thick anabolic nutrients that your body can accept it immediately. So your first meal have to be specific like this, that you give a little bit uh, more nutrients that you would need for following three hours just to uh, stop that catabolism that you initiate and to give you nutrients for next three hours until your next meal. And then, uh, like I said, every following meal would be maintenance meal, uh, giving yourself exactly uh, calories that you need. Yeah. And now we have uh, differences. If somebody wants to train first thing, in the morning, like after the breakfast, then obviously you have to adjust the calories and nutrients for the workout if it's early in the morning, or if it's later on during the day, you time the nutrients according to their workout schedule. But uh, uh, to answer that question, uh, again, yes, you should catabolize body fat if you have some. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, my athletes, uh, uh, most of them, uh, if you follow the, the, their careers, they start competing as often as I did, pretty much every show that uh, was organized, most of my guys were competing, especially when they were uh, being trained by me, when, uh, because I would just not uh, give them commodity of relaxing. I mean, you, uh, if you're a pro bodybuilder, competition is your job. You can't just miss the competition and say, no, today I don't want to go to the job. Yeah. And this is really why I competed myself mm. very often. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, uh, go ahead, because uh, I guess yeah. I'm not letting you speak much. <laughs> that's no, all right, mate. It's, uh, I'm sure the listeners uh, have enough heard of us. enough of us. I'm sure they want to listen to you. And hopefully, you'll be uh, preparing me for nationals at the end of the year, so we can uh, fill our listeners in and, uh, on my progress and the pain that I'm going through. So looking forward to that. Milos, you mentioned, uh, obviously, these names mean a lot to me, but Joel Stubbs, best back in uh, pro bodybuilding ever, probably. Gustavo Badel, Dennis James, all these guys. I wouldn't mind asking you just a, more of a trivial question. Who do you feel has the had the best genetics, I guess, of your era? And um, who was the hardest working pro that you worked with? Like who who just was an animal in the gym and you couldn't break them? And who, who I guess, had the best um, uh, genetics of, of, of the pros? Okay, genetic-wise, it's uh, uh, without a question Flex Wheeler. I mean, uh, I had a, a pleasure of preparing him uh, uh, for some shows, and I actually trained him. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Flex, if you hear this uh, um, podcast. <laughs> I think I know I'm what you're going to say. No, yeah, he, he is the guy that trained, uh, like, uh, how should I say it nicely so I don't insult him? 
uh, like a lady, okay, really. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, uh, he never really uh, needed to train intensely, and uh, still he was growing like a weed. I mean, I had never yeah. seen anything in my life like it. And now um, I had, uh, of course, reputation of pushing guys, killing them in, in, a, in a gym, and uh, I actually have to bring Sean Ray to train with us to push Flex Wheeler, but uh, uh, Sean and I would, uh, you know, train super intensely, and then comes Flex, you know, <laughs> drops the weight, you know, to a half, and you have to wait for him for like two minutes before he even starts, and that was really you know, horrible to, to look at it. But every single day, uh, you just uh, see what happens, and you can't believe your eyes. I mean, yeah. uh, I've seen in three weeks transformation in Flex, but I don't think any human being believes it's even possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he went from 208 skinny fat, I mean, from, from horrible shape, uh, fat and small, to 245, almost contest ready, and he actually decided to compete uh, 2003 in Ironman yeah. and uh, managed to, to place third. Uh, with a uh, seriously three weeks preparation. Again, there was uh, two workouts a day, yes, yeah. but uh, uh, workouts were far away from being intense. Yeah. Now, Flex Wheeler is the uh, most gifted guy that I would say. Now, uh, I respected always Kevin Lebroni. He was also quite gifted, and transformation that Kevin could could do in a short period of time was uh, you know, almost as impressive. But hardest working guy, without a question, is the king of bodybuilding, uh, Ronnie Coleman. I mean, uh, nobody can take this away from Ronnie. Uh, I competed uh, with Ronnie since 1991, and there by until 1996 or 7, nobody was taking him seriously. But uh, this guy was uh, uh, super hardworking, super precise, dedicated, and uh, obviously everybody knows now what happened. Ninety-seven, he basically uh, started catching up with uh, everybody at the European Grand Prix Tour. Uh, I watched him there every day, uh, getting better and better, and winning 1997 Russian Grand Prix, beating Kevin Lebroni, Nasser, and everybody else. So he gave already uh, that idea for people that he could be contender 98, but going into the 98 Olympia, nobody counted on uh, Ronnie Coleman. Nobody believed he could even be top three. And uh, everybody knows what happened. I had Ronnie Coleman in my gym many years. I kept the, the gym open at midnight at 2 o'clock in the morning if he needed to. I trained with him often. Yeah. And uh, his strength is just uh, uh, unhuman. <laughs> and uh, he would be, uh, what I would say, hardest working guy uh, in bodybuilding. Yeah. Uh, out of my athletes, I would say uh, Dennis James was really one of those uh, freaks it yeah. could grow just looking at the weight, more into the pushing than pulling movements. So chest, uh, shoulders, uh, triceps was just you know ridiculous what he could push, and he grew uh, tremendously. Uh, I mean, I think I already said it. Back in 2000, he gained like 44 pounds in four weeks. Yeah. And uh, I remember that even he was laughing and sending me pictures. <laughs> not believing what happened, and he says, look what you did to me. <laughs> and uh, really, uh, he came 2000, the Tano Classic, and, and you know, pretty much shocked everyone. Hardest working athlete I work with would, without question, be Hidetada Yamagishi. Yeah. Uh, indeed, have that samurai spirit, and uh, I don't care what I would put him through. I, I really actually sometimes created the, the uh, giant sets uh, that could not possibly be finished, and he finishes. <laughs> and uh, all the guys that trained with him, they're, they're, they were just pissed off because every time when we would finish, uh, let's say, one giant set rotation, and I would never tell uh, guys how many they, they, they would do. Oh, so I would no, do by deal, second, third. Anytime if I would ask anybody else, you want to do another one, nobody wanted it. So I would just go to Hide, because I, I knew he can't tell me no, to so say, Hide, can we do another <laughs> one? Yes. And then everybody else would have to follow. Awesome. So yes, uh, Hida would be the hardest working guy I ever worked with. Yeah. You mentioned Dennis James there. I was just as a side note, he's actually I saw this week he's relocated to, to Melbourne, Australia. He's setting up a gym down there. Yes, I've seen in uh, social media. Yes, I mean uh, um, what Dennis is doing lately is just uh, mind-boggling. I mean he's yeah. now one of the leading coaches himself, yeah. and uh, and doing great things. And I wish him all the luck. 
Yeah. Uh, this is a huge uh, gym facility. I've seen uh, pictures. Uh, I believe it's Nitro Gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish you more success. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, uh, you've seen the results that uh, uh, he's getting and his clients are getting. And uh, by all means, yeah. uh, whoever is there, you know, should visit. Milos, just before we start to wrap things up, you said that at the start of your career, you set yourself a five-year goal, and essentially you're yes. out there to uh, improve mm -hmm. each and every day. So obviously very goal-oriented. Can you give us just a couple of tips of how you stay motivated or what processes do you go through every day just to keep yourself so focused? Uh, well, I had a, a little poster on my wall stating, I want, I can, I will, I must. I mean, there is no uh, ifs or buts about. All of us in the morning would not want to get up, and you know, last thing that you would want to think about is doing the cardio on empty stomach, and then later on, force feed yourself, eating every three hours. Actually, I had a, a midnight, three o'clock, six o'clock, nine o'clock, twelve noon, and every three hours I had a eight meals a day. Back in the days when I was training for Mr. Universe, I would uh, set alarm, and I would have to have those meals regardless mm -hmm. if I'm uh, hungry or not, let me just tell you. You know, so there was uh, really the burning desire. Now when people ask me, well, how did you actually believe, why would you believe that you can accomplish all this in five years? And um, I, I never really thought about it and uh, I, will, I would answer. It never even came to my mind that I can fail. I yeah. mean, uh, I, I think that most of the people like to... Uh, cook the food but not uh, going to the kitchen. It, it doesn't work that way. Uh, if you have set goal and you realize you're in extreme sport, extreme hypertrophy, extreme feeding, precise nutrition, healthy lifestyle, if you are honest to yourself and you want to succeed, you're going to do everything without specific motivation. Uh, I don't think that motivation would be a problem with most of the people, but actual knowledge. And this is why I would like to encourage everyone Whatever you hear from me or from some other coach or you read, uh, always question it. See if it makes sense for you. Make the, the goal, then make the plan, follow the plan. And if something is not working, uh, start adjusting with, with the common sense. If something is not working today, it's not going to work tomorrow either. But if you're doing something and you start seeing results, you're going to get that motivation that uh, no other motivation can compare to. Because every time you look in the mirror and you see that improvement, you're going to know that you're on the right right track. Mm, yeah. And that's why, uh, Rodden, uh, I know that uh, you say you're your own worst uh, critic, yeah. but uh, people around you are seeing the, the changes. And uh, if you really bring your nutrition and training, supplementation, and your lifestyle all to the, the maximal level, then you're going to see uh, maximal results. Yeah. Well said, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, well, to wrap things up, I really appreciate your time uh, today, Milos. I know it's getting past your bedtime over in Serbia. So do you want to give us a little bit of a, an overview of the uh, Australian Muscle Camp Tour that, that's happening in, like you mentioned, Queensland, Melbourne, Perth, and Sydney? Yeah. What, what do the participants, what do they got in store? Well, yes, I actually have a, a difference. Is I have a, some three- and five-day training camps. Uh, we're starting with the... Clean Health in Sydney in March uh, 2nd to the 6th, mm -hmm. and we have a five-day, basically, uh, camp. Yep. Every single day, we're going to do two super intense training sessions, and really, my goal, and I'm going to tell you, all of you, and probably scare you away from coming to the, the camp, <laughs> I'm going to put you to the Olympia type of training, exact training I was putting, Hidetade Yamagishi and all these other guys that I was saying, uh, I'm going to try to maximally stimulate your muscle fibers during your training. So I don't care what is your strength level, your experience, how advanced you are. My goal will be to show you uh, that you can push even further. Besides that, uh, right. there's going to be seminars in between. Uh, there's going to be courses. Uh, on the first day, I teach actually about uh, science of hyperemia advantage systems. Yep. You know, everything that we talked today about, so I, I don't have to um, mm -hmm. you know, go too much about it. Second day is really science of the muscle growth and uh, uh, all advanced training principles, uh, heavy duty, giant sets, super slow, pre-post uh, exhaustion training, any kind of training you can think of, I'm going to uh, go into specifics. Yep. Then about this regional differences in muscle activation, how you can 
specifically target parts of the uh, of the body part, uh, long head or short head of the biceps, uh, upper, middle, lower lats or chest, or you know specifics that usually people don't really think much about it. But I believe that bodybuilding is about aesthetics and shape, creating the beauty, not just the muscle, but the shapely muscle. So you have to know how to really be your own artist and, and put the muscle in the right place. So if you're missing a part of a muscle, and let's say if you're speaking about the chest and it's upper middle chest, inner chest, the specific exercise is how you can stimulate that part. Uh, then uh, we have a, uh, on the third day, science of sports nutrition and supplementation, yep. uh, which I'm going to go in great, great details about every aspect of macronutrition, micronutrients, fluid yep. electrolytes, everything like that. Day four would be a science of contest preparation. This is really okay. what I say, uh, how muscle building fat loss, how you can really uh, maximally build your, your muscles and lose fat at the same time. So that's that science of accelerated fat loss, yep. uh, pre-competition nutrition, and uh, all this kind of stuff. Awesome. And uh, uh, on, the, on the last day, I'm going to talk about endocrine and hormonal responses to the resistance training. So how the hormones are really affecting uh, everything that you do. Awesome. Well, I mean, you pretty much cover everything from A to Z in those five days here we have at the Clean Health uh, CHPC, and I, I assume it would be something similar at the other camps. So. Really excited to uh, have you out and um, an awesome opportunity to learn from essentially one of, if not the best contest prep coaches in the world. So, yeah, really privileged to have you here at the CHPC, mate. It was my pleasure doing this uh, podcast. It was my pleasure being in uh, CHP and I'm looking forward to, to come back. That's wonderful, Milos. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, buddy. See you soon. Thank you. Bye thanks, bye. Milos. See you. Bye. <laughs> hey, um, yes, and welcome back to Under the Bar. I'm Tom Hewitt, and I'm here today with uh, with Rawdon. Rawdon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 A very oh. good rendition. <laughs> so so much more staunch today, uh, Rawdon. <laughs> uh, Milos Archef, Rawdon, we spoke to him on the Milos. gym floor at the CHPC yep. very early in the morning. That was a fascinating chat we had with him, and Pretty easy work from our perspective. Didn't have to say much. Touch the mountain dogs. Just touch the mountain dogs. Just chewed our <laughs> ear off. The, the mountain dogs. Touch of the, uh, touch of the Mark Buckleys. <laughs> Mark Buckleys. Can't get a word in edgeways with, with these guys. But it's all good information, so it makes our job easy. We can sit back. It does. Sip the uh, the double shot espresso with the, with the creme on top. Mm. Sip the mineral water and uh, listen to these guys. So I think um, what... <laughs> Milos was getting on about there, Rod, which is fascinating. If you're already lean enough, you can sort of get away with giving yourself a small little catabolic window first thing in the morning yep. to induce some fat loss. Yep. But then before that uh, catabolic state goes on for too long and starts eating into some muscle tissue, then you need to get back get into get in. the calories in to maintain baseline. Then you need a big workout with cramming a whole heap of nutrients around that workout yeah. to really shoot for hypertrophy. Yeah. So the theory makes just fantastic sense when you when yeah. he lays it out like that. I guess the challenge is being so precise with the timing and yeah. also the time. with the calories. You know, he goes into great detail to figure out he really does an individual's caloric requirements. Very very scientific approach there from approach there from Milos. But I like how what I like about. Uh, Milos is he, he likes the, the various stages throughout. He looks at the 24-hour period and it's like, okay, this section here, we're going to be uh, in a deficit, we're going to be in a fasted state, we're going to do some uh, steady-state cardio or, or interval training. This is going to be for fat burning. Once that's done, dusted, boom, that's your fat burning for the day. Now let's go into anabolism, an anabolic state, or first will be a maintenance, so he gets the you know the required calories in for you know every couple of hours, getting the nutrients in, great. Then he goes crazy, anabolic window, and then pre obviously loads up with the, all the goodies there, loads up the bloodstream, takes advantage of that increased blood flow, the hyperemia, and then the intra and then the post workout nutrition. So that's where his anabolic time. So the, uh, the fat burning, maintenance, and anabolic 
And then recovery, obviously, mm. through the night. So I thought it was really good how he yeah. dumbed things down for the... It's almost like taking a 12 or 18-week periodization model and cramming it into those little sections yeah. in a 24-hour period. Yeah, the, very, the, very the, smart. the micro cycles of, yeah. a, of, a, of the meso and macro of the 24-hour period. So, so uh, Milos Sarchev will be out here. He gave the dates in his um, in his interview. He'll be yeah, out here March, for March a... uh, 2nd to the 6th, I think, uh, at the CHBC. But he's, he, he's all around uh, he's Australia. He's got a few, few tours around so. Australia. Once again, people can jump on the Clean Health website. All the W's, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash... Uh, education seminars something muscle like camp. that muscle camp yeah click, such a, yep. click on the links and uh, it's a five day boot camp so <laughs> if you were thinking about doing that it would be a wonderful thing to do they probably need a, a little bit of preparation beforehand like you want to think about your training in the months leading into it think about your nutrition because it's going to be a, uh, brutal, a brutal brutal five days brutal five days of he, training but if has, you do it properly you will grow definitely 100% he, he's quite confident that uh, you haven't experienced anything like it before and um, anyone that challenges, uh, I think you said that, that uh, challenges that it can't be done, come and see him and he'll uh, prove firsthand. That obviously, the, the, he will show you how hard you have to actually train, but mm. then uh, at the end of the five-day period, he's confident you'll he'll, uh, added some muscle mass in that shorter period, which is pretty amazing. Beautiful. Yes, and that has been the program. Thank you very the much for once again for your downloadership. And uh, look, that show was uh, just dominated by Milos, really, as it should be. He's uh, a wealth of knowledge in the realm of hypertrophy, really. There's no one better to the talk mind, to. The mind, Tom, the mind. Great to get his insight on things. Roy, we'll keep an eye on your competitors over the coming weeks. Yes. Follow them down to the Arnold's and see what goes on there. Hmm. And well, seven or eight weeks, that means we're going to be talking to the big fella Arnold himself at some stage. Well, that is the... Putting uh, it out there. That is <laughs> putting it out there. That's it for our listeners. That is the challenge. Mm. I, I have actually said that it's not possible, Tom, but you are <laughs> confident you're going to get a little uh, shove a mic into his we'll face see. and, and we'll grab see. a few words. Maybe He's, I'll be back uh, or something like that. But Tom... What if you're really inflamed and uh, sore <laughs> after you've trained? Any, any ideas there, mate? Curcumin. Curcumin. <laughs> exactly. Curcumin. Season your food with it. Crack some pepper on there as well. Yep. In supplemental form, the Thorn Mareva yep. is a uh, top-of-the-range product. You can get that. 80 to 500 milligrams a day for longevity and health benefits. Yes. That has been the program. Give us an email, podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.